Welcome to Hunt Harvest Health Podcast with your host, Ryan Lampers, aka The Stealthy Hunter. Howdy. And myself, Dr. Hillary Lampers, where we share our love for ancestral living and the health topics of the modern age. Ryan is the well rounded, bearded brawn of Hunt Harvest Health. His knowledge of backcountry adventure, Western hunting, and our household status as garden guru and super dad really defines our gut stealthy lifestyle. Doc Hillary is definitely the brains and beauty behind all of this. She kind of makes everything happen as I have zero technical skills. Hill is just a wealth of knowledge in all things medicine and nutrition, which not only keep our family healthy, but they help me stay strong in all my mountain adventures. You can follow us at huntharvesthealth.com, Instagram, and Facebook for more podcasts, recipes, and stories. The Hunt Harvest Health Podcast and the Stealthy Hunter LLC, its managers and partners, we do not diagnose, prescribe, or replace the services of a healthcare professional. This podcast is not to be used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment of any health condition or problem. And any questions regarding your health should be addressed to your primary care physician or other health care provider. Remember, I am a doctor, but I'm not your doctor. All right, let's do this. So my PowerPoint sort of have put it together. It's very basic um, as far as design just for time purposes, but this is me. Obviously, if you're on this webinar, you know who I am and you know that I work with Ryan on Stealthy Hunter. Um, I do have a clinical practice that I see patients three to four days a week. Uh, and then I, um, I've been a practitioner for 16 years and I mainly do functional medicine, hormonal health, anti-aging. I do a lot of structural medicine. I do injection therapies. I do PRP, uh, uh, orthopedic stuff, as well as aesthetic and sexual health. And I really deal in the kind of 35 to 65 year old age range um, for both men and women. Uh, but I do have patients of all ages. I just don't see pediatrics. Um, but here's just a little bit of a bio on me and um, some of my history. Um, so really what I wanted to do is just start out talking about hormones. I think this is always the biggest question, especially on men's mind is about hormones. And obviously the main hormone that everybody wants to talk about is testosterone, but we will get to that real quick. I just wanted to show you this basic picture of all the hormones that are actually in your body. And I think that a lot of us, especially men, they kind of have this idea that, you know, their testosterone and maybe that's like the only hormone they have, but uh, it's not. And all both men and women have all of these hormones to different levels in their body. So you can see that there's a lot going on in the body at all times. And all of these hormones are basically just messengers. They are um, talking to each other. They are regulating cells. Um, and each, uh, each hormone has a receptor that it fits to on a cell. So it's basically just like something floating around in the blood in the system and it's going to attach, it has a specific shape that attaches to certain receptors on cells. And then it basically signals cells to grow and divide, um, uptake certain things or specific actions, which we're going to talk about with um, the different hormones systems that we're going to talk about. It all, they also do immune system interactions. They 
do both inflammatory and anti-inflammatory reactions in the body. And usually what probably we're going to talk about tonight, we'll talk about the reasons that things can go awry, but I think stress is probably in our world today. Uh, stress, and I didn't put it here, but toxicity. These are probably the biggest reasons right now that we're seeing hormone dysfunction. Um, and then we'll talk about the HPA axis. But um, if we go, let's see, to the next slide. Um, really, everything begins with the gut-brain axis. So the gut-brain axis, I've talked a ton about the gut. And those of you who are on here who are educated about this know that the gut is basically the foundation of everything. It would be like building house without a foundation. Um, and when things start falling apart, usually it's going to either affect the foundation or the foundation is the main reason things are falling apart, or you built a house without a foundation and that's going to cause problems. So the gut is really the foundation of everything. It's where 80% of your immune system is. It's where a lot of these hormone conversions are going on. The gut, I would also include that as the liver. We're going to talk about the liver and why the liver is so important. But the gut is really where it all starts. So if you haven't heard me in the last five years talk about that a lot, that's kind of where I love patients to start with. And um, so we'll talk about this more, but just realizing that this is really where everything starts. The brain and the gut talk to each other and they talk to each other constantly. Um, and this is why some people can, when they have you know, health issues, they may have gut issues, nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain, uh, constipation, diarrhea, whatever. Some people don't have any of those and they have anxiety, depression, OCD, insomnia, uh, multiple different kind of neurological disorders. But these we know can come from the gut and the way it's talking to the brain, the food you're eating, the biochemicals and everything that's being produced and the hormones that interact. Now tonight, we're not gonna talk about hunger hormones we're not gonna talk about a multitude of different hormones that are here. We're gonna talk mainly about the pituitary hormones. And so we'll get on to that. So this is a great graphic of your pituitary gland, which is in your brain. Um, and it is told by the hypothalamus, which is another part of the brain, talks to this then little tiny pituitary gland that sits right in the center of your head um, on your sphenoid bone. It sits there in what's called the cella tercica, which is called the queen seat. And it um, dictates to a lot of our hormonal glands what to do. So this picture just shows us the anterior pituitary and what it does. It produces these different hormones that then tell the thyroid, tells the adrenal gland, tells the mammary glands in the woman, um, the bones and tissues of your body uh, for growth hormone, and then your gonadotropin or your, um, or your gonads, which would be ovaries and testes. So the anterior pituitary secretes these hormones that then talk to these other organs that then do uh, certain things in the body, which we'll talk about. The posterior uh, pituitary works in, for oxytocin, which is a bonding hormone and it's essential for breastfeeding as well and then antidiuretic hormones in the kidneys, and then also um, the uterus in women. So two very same gland, two very different actions. We're mainly gonna be focusing on the anterior pituitary and the hormones that it produces. Now, this is like really scary when you look at this diagram, but this is something that I talk about every single day in my practice. This is called the Dutch test. 
but this is really a, a diagram of your steroid pathway. And steroids are, they don't have it on this graph, which I always think is really interesting, but this little blue, um, the blue star in the upper left-hand corner when you're looking at the screen, this is cholesterol. From cholesterol, we then make all of these hormones. So every hormone that you see here in, in a blue highlight is a steroid hormone, and that all comes from cholesterol. And then this chart is just showing us how hormones are created, how they are things that uh, stimulate them, that turn them off, um, all the way down to like how you detoxify these things, what things help you detoxify. And what we're going to talk about mainly today is we're going to talk about the steroid hormones uh, in men, which this would be, this is a, um, we all have progesterone, but men you do too, you make progesterone um, and you make cortisol in the adrenals. So we're going to talk about this here. And then we're going to talk about testosterone and the androgens, and we will touch on estrogen as well. In females, now this, this second part here is all estrogen detoxification, and this happens in men too, but much more in females. And tomorrow night when I talk to the women, we're going to kind of deep dive into this more, but this is what your steroid hormones are doing. And as you can see, it's a lot of information, but uh, it's pretty miraculous. So if we go on here. Uh, this is also a result from a Dutch test. And I just wanted to show you in men how you are making from cholesterol, you're making pregnenolone, DHEA in the adrenal, and then you're making testosterone. There's also these more potent androgens here. Um, and these make things which you've maybe heard of before if you're a male, DHT. If you have a strong affinity for the 5-alpha, which is here on the right down into the 5-DHT pathway, this is really what can help me decide with the man if he, if we are going to do hormone replacement therapy with him, or he's a younger man who's having a lot of acne, he's losing his hair, um, he's having a lot of, you know, he's losing his hair on his head and he's growing a lot of hair on his body. These are the guys that tend to pull their androgen through to DHT. And um, that can be genetic in a lot of cases. And there's also things that can help that. But this, show, this goes to show you that androgen pathway, and then it shows you how you convert from testosterone to uh, estrogen. So men convert a smaller amount of their testosterone to estrogen. Women convert most of their testosterone into estrogen. Um, but then you also do estrogen detoxification, and you have to remove it through methylation. So this is just another chart that goes to show you the very complex things that are happening in your body for testosterone um, and uh, androgen clearance. All right, so this is also another big uh, thing that you can probably look at if you wanna look at these slides um, after, but this really talks about detoxification of the liver and back to that detoxification of estrogens. We call it phase one and phase two detoxification. And when we talk about the gut, we also talk about the liver because in order for the gut to be healthy, um, there's your liver also has to be detoxifying appropriately. And there's different things that are required oops, by step one and step two of detoxification. And you can see this list here. So obviously your B vitamins, folic acid, glutathione, vitamin C, vitamin E. Um, and then step two requires selenium and sulfur and amino acids like glutamine and glycine and taurine and cysteine. And so these are all things that we need in order to get waste products out of our body, including estrogens. These are things we need to get estrogens out of our body as well. Um, 
as dopamine metabolism and clearing epinephrine and norepinephrine and all these things. And then you eliminate waste products through your skin, uh, through your gallbladder and your bile, through the bowel, the kidneys, urine, sweat, that kind of stuff. So this just goes to show you how you are detoxifying all the time. And they have toxins here, but uh, you do this even with foods you eat. Your body has to process through phase one and phase two. This is also where the microbiome plays a big, has a big impact on our body. So we are not going to get really heavy into the microbiome because that's actually an entire uh, webinar on its own. And I'll probably end up doing that at some point. But the microbiome is really going to um, affect detoxification pathways and toxins. And we do know that um, the microbiome is going to affect the immune system as well in the gut. And so how strong your immune system is, is also going to affect how well you can get rid of toxins. Um, and all right, so let's go into sex hormones. So now that we have kind of a basic idea of the steroid hormones, let's look at the first group of hormones called the sex hormones. Now in men, obviously the testosterone is your main sex hormone. It's again, that steroid hormone produced in the testes, produced in your testes and ovaries, it's produced in women. After menopause, it's produced in the adrenal gland for women. Um, this is again, seven to eight times higher in men than women. It comes from cholesterol, both that testosterone and DHT that we talked about. They're metabolized through the liver. Again, why your liver needs to be healthy. And I always like to remind men and women when we're talking about hormonal cycles, men run on a 24 hour circadian rhythm. What that means is testosterone is produced while you sleep. It is highest in the morning. It's also higher. It can go up again in the afternoon between 4 to 6 p.m. But typically, testosterone is going to go down as the day goes on. And then it goes down before you go to bed. And then the whole process starts over again. That's a 24-hour circadian rhythm very different than a woman's circadian rhythm. And we won't get into that. We'll be talking about that tomorrow night on uh, the women's webinar, but men run on that 24 hour circadian rhythm, which is why in a lot of cases, men can recover faster and they um, also can be pretty affected when their testosterone is not working well, because this 24 hour circadian cycle gets really messed up. Whereas women run on the 28 day cycle. And so they can have some more fluctuation in their hormone levels. And they have that with estrogen and progesterone. And you may notice two weeks out of the month, they feel great. And then two weeks out of the month, they don't feel great. Those of you who are married or have spouse um, uh, partners, but men, they, you run on this 24 hour cycle. So if you're having problems in that, your every day may be affected. And um, so that's something that we want to help. All right. So we're back to this picture. And again, this is just biochemistry from cholesterol all the way down. You can see where's your, uh, oh, this is really bad. Oh yeah. Testosterone is on the bottom right. But to get to testosterone, you can see all the different hormones you have to get through. So progesterone is actually an important hormone. Cortisol produced in the adrenal is important. And so is DHEA. And, and we'll talk more about these, but this is basically what it looks like. All right, so the benefits of having optimized testosterone level, this is really what guys care, should care about. And this is the lay person, like those of you on the podcast, um, or not the podcast, sorry, on the webinar, 
uh, these are the things that you're going to be thinking about, right? Like all that biochemistry and like how it works. Like you may have absolutely no interest in that. And you've never taken biochemistry before. You don't care about how it works. What you care about is like, okay, what is it optimizing in me? And what do I need to be, um, what do I, why do I need testosterone to be optimized? So number one, cardiovascular health, um, your blood cells need testosterone, your endothelial health, which is basically the inside layer of your vascular system. So your vessels, um, testosterone is very important. Lean muscle mass, both men and women, you need adequate testosterone in order to keep lean body mass. Uh, bone density and strength, very important. Uh, better cognition and memory. Uh, the brain has more testosterone receptors than any organ in the body. Therefore, a lot of the symptoms that men will complain of is brain issues, fatigue, brain fog, slow thinking, these kinds of things. So uh, brain is important. Obviously, libido, vitality, sexuality, um, these are, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Testosterone optimizes that in men. And then mood, self-esteem, and energy. And I see a lot of guys coming in and their main symptom is their mood has really changed and they're depressed or they're anxious or they don't feel like themselves. And I think it's important to, to remember that men are very different than women, I think, in the way that they uh, feel their symptoms and they sometimes don't understand what's going on. They, I think women, because we have such this up and down hormonal thing throughout our life, we become a little bit more connected to how we feel and translating that. We maybe go to the doctor more, et cetera. Whereas men don't typically do that as much. And they, the, the comment that I might get from men is, I just don't feel like myself. I don't know what that means, but I don't feel like myself. So, um, all right, so symptoms of low T, obvious fatigue, you, you don't want to be like, oh, I have low testosterone and I, I've been tired for like a week, you know? If you've been having prolonged fatigue, especially uh, you're having morning fatigue, you shouldn't be having that because that's when testosterone is the highest. Um, and you're having that afternoon, you sit down in a chair, you fall asleep and you're out or you've got to be in bed by eight o'clock, you're dysfunctional. And you've been having that go on for a while. That's one uh, cardinal uh, symptom. A memory issues, obviously decreased libido and erectile dysfunction. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, muscle weakness, uh, heart palpitations is another thing men will describe. They feel anxious, but they're having like heart palpitations. Uh, motivation. So testosterone is all about motivation and both men and women, it helps motivation. And if you are feeling like your motivation is blunted, that's maybe a sign of low testosterone. And then again, that's just feeling of not feeling like yourself. Um, that's a big one. And then there's a bunch of others, but this is it. Now, signs and symptoms are a different thing. Symptoms are what you feel. Signs are what I can either see or I can report, I see in labs, or I can see in a physical exam. So signs of low T are lacking muscle tone, bone loss, that's a big one, um, decreased armpit hair, decreased pubic hair, basically, you know, decreased hair on your legs, maybe obviously decreased hair on the body. Um, gynecomastia, so this is where you start growing man boobs, but this is really a genetic estrogen issue. We're gonna talk about genetics tonight as well, um, but genetic gynecomastia, the guys that have that, that is just, you have genetically a lot of breast tissue. And so that's, um, it's rare, it's not common. Guys always think they're all gonna get man boobs and it's actually very rare. 
but that is one sign. Increase abdominal fat and cellulite. I mean, how many men do you see walking around out there, guys? And, and maybe yourself included, you're, you're like, you know, you've got weight around the middle. Maybe that's a new thing. As we get older, that's much more common for both men and women. It's also a sign of high stress, I think, and poor diet. But it's also a sign that your, your hormones are low because testosterone dictates putting weight on the upper body. But if it's putting in the visceral fat like that, then it's, you've probably got some insulin resistance going on too. And so we want to look at that as another sign of low, low T with probably some insulin resistance. Hair loss um, on the outside of the leg, varicose veins and hemorrhoids. You, you need testosterone for your vessel health. So varicose veins and hemorrhoids are common. Um, and I don't know why I put estrogen is important for me. Estrogen is important for you, for guys, not for me. Um, if you're too low in estrogen, so let, if we go back to a little bit of the biochemistry, when you make testosterone, you convert a small amount of it to estrogen. Now, genetics are going to play a huge role into how fast you convert from your testosterone to your estrogen or how much you actually convert it all. And we'll talk about that when we get to genetics. But if your estrogen is too low, you're going to have melancholic depression. You may have the sign of bone loss as well. You may have some cardiovascular issues. You'll have erectile dysfunction. You'll have low libido and you will have exaggerated loss of body hair. If it's too high, your estrogen, you may have anxiety, you may have the heart palpitations, um, you may have weight gain, water retention, again, erectile dysfunction, low libido, quick to anger, irritable, the gynecomastia, that kind of stuff. So that list that I put up before is kind of both, but if your, estro your estrogen is also very important and plays into this picture. So we want to make sure that when we're working with a man, we're always testing his estrogen and we're balancing his estrogen. Some guys are better with higher estrogen. They feel good. They have none of these symptoms. Some guys, you test them and they may not even have that high of estrogen. Like they're a little bit out of the range, but they feel horrible and they have all the symptoms. So this is where baselines are really important. Not every guy is the same. All right. So you may not know it but there are no nope, you gotta go gotta go nope sorry i have an eight-year-old <laughs> um so medications that lower testosterone this is not a conversation that is had very often with men um but there are multitude of groups of medications that are going to lower your testosterone so cholesterol lowering medications well obviously because you're Steroid hormones come from cholesterol. Um, and if you're on statins, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad and you're going to have this. Again, we'll talk about some genetic predisposition to that. But um, you don't want to be lowering your cholesterol so low because that's going to lower your reservoir for getting your steroid hormones, which is not just testosterone, which is all your adrenal hormones, your DHEA, your progesterone, pregnenolone, et cetera. Um, Antifungal drugs will do it. So um, this is why typically they're using them topically as much as they can. And, um, and even topically will affect it because it absorbs stuff through your skin. But giving oral ketoconazole and these, these antifungal group of medications can lower testosterone because they're hard on the liver. Um, and that's where all your hormone conversion through cholesterol is happening. H2 blockers for good and, good and ulcers. Um, some of those groups are 
diuretics, uh, some antidepressants, chemotherapy drugs can induce actually testicular failure. Uh, and one thing I didn't put on here, but hormone replacement therapy will lower your own natural testosterone. And we will talk about that when we get there. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the adrenal glands because I think going back to like guys think testosterone is everything. But what I do is I do a well, I try to do a well-rounded approach with my patients where I'm looking at sex hormones, I'm looking at their adrenal hormones, I'm looking at thyroid hormones, and I'm looking at other biomarkers, which we'll talk about. So the adrenals are really important because remember the adrenals are again, producing cortisol, which is another steroid hormone that comes from progesterone. Um, the, uh, this is in a group of, cortisol is in a group called the glutocorticoids which is here. And this is just another diagram that shows you the matrix of the adrenal. What's crazy about the adrenal glands is they are literally a tiny, tiny little organ that sits on top of your kidneys. And they sit in the fat on top of your kidneys, the sweat fat, we call it. And I mean, they're so tiny, but like you can't live without your adrenals. I mean, they're vital for life and they're vital for so many things. So you can see here all the different groups of hormones that the adrenals secrete, the mineral corticoids, the glutocorticoids, uh, they do produce androgens. So they do produce some testosterone. And then obviously in women, postmenopausally, that's where women are getting their androgen from. And then they produce epinephrine, norepinephrine. And this is, this is the fight or flight. So when you got to run from that bear, or when you have target panic, or whatever, that is the epinephrine and norepinephrine kicking in and then stimulating you to have all the effects on the body to fight or flight shaking uh, it's bringing blood uh, all your blood into your extremities it's your body is pulling blood sugar it's, it's raising that epinephrine for that immediate rush of blood sugar to come from the liver so that you have energy to run um, and then the other thing I like to remind people of is that you have in fight or flight, that is immediate. That is like immediately running. I just did a podcast on this. Cortisol comes in after the fact. Cortisol is now you've got to run 10 miles to get away from the bear. That's when cortisol kicks in. So adrenaline and noradrenaline, they're short acting. They bring focus in, they bring uh, immediate action in, but we've all had an adrenaline rush. We all know how that feels. And um, sometimes when that wears off, it's cortisol has to kind of take over to keep you going if you're in a really stressful situation. But um, that's this is the adrenal gland, and this is, is what's happening uh, with those hormones. So these are all the hormones that are secreted by the adrenal glands: cortisol, cortisone. Um, and we're going to talk cortisol and cortisone is really interesting. So people just think, oh, I make a bunch of cortisol, and that's it. You actually make two forms. Of cortisol. One's called cortisol, one's called cortisone. And cortisone is basically like money in the bank. It's your savings account. It's how much money do you put away for a rainy day? Some people interconvert, they make a lot more cortisone. And there's a lot of different reasons. If we go way back to that Dutch chart that looks kind of overwhelming, there's reasons there why people might be making more cortisol. One reason is if you have a slow thyroid, um, I mean, cortisone. One reason is if you have a slow thyroid. Um, one, actually testosterone replacement will actually maybe do that. So if you have a lot of excess testosterone, you may save your cortisol for a rainy day. 
the problem comes in when we do cortisol testing, if we only test cortisol and we don't test cortisone, we may, as physicians, may make a wrong diagnosis, especially if the free cortisol, which is available to you right now uh, for stress management, is low. I would say, oh, your cortisol is low. We need to give you cortisol um, support. But then if you see their cortisone, their cortisone is normal or high. When you add those two together, that gives you your total. So you can't just look at cortisol and be like, oh, the cortisol is low. You've got to actually look at both because that's going to tell us. And then you also need to look at clearance by the kidney. Some people clear cortisol really well, even if they make a ton and they're highly stressed, they clear cortisol quick enough. It doesn't stress them out. The person that doesn't clear from the kidney very fast, they get the same amount of cortisol and they feel stress. They, they feel that stress in their body. So it's kind of complicated when you're testing for these in people. You don't want to, I think just running fasting morning cortisol, it doesn't really tell me much. So I run the Dutch test on patients. Um, again, in noradrenaline and dopamine, um, the precursor, it doesn't really secrete a ton of dopamine. It's, it's more secreting the precursors, but, and then aldosterone. Aldosterone regulates your salt and water levels. This is, which is regulating blood pressure. So it's very important. Those of you who are hikers and hunters and working out and sweating, um, it's amazing that your adrenal is actually modulating all that salt you're losing and the water you're losing and that kind of thing. So when you get um, really dehydrated, basically it's your adrenal that is trying to make up for that, um, that and antidiuretic hormone, which is again, from the po posterior pituitary in the kidney and either getting rid of water or not getting rid of water, but aldosterone is big. And then DHE and testosterone are made in the adrenal gland. And I talked about this some, um, and I will throughout the entire talk, is stress is a big deal. Um, we're all exposed to stress and stress is actually normal. So we have positive stress, we have um, negative stress. And I think the problem becomes that we are pushing our adrenals and our lifestyles too much. Um, the, the more I'm, the, the older I'm getting and the wiser I'm getting, um, I'm realizing that the world that we live in now is so on all the time. Um, you, you can never get away from anything. You know, we're always doing more. We're pushing ourselves. We're, we're like, we want to consume information. And I was having this thought uh, yesterday, I went to go on my run and I usually put my headphones on in the morning and I usually listen to a podcast or I listen to music because I need that motivation. And I thought to myself, I think I should just go on a run with nothing, just, just myself. And I ran twice as far as I run normally and I felt great. And I just think it was nice for me to disconnect from all the stuff. And I'm one of those people. I mean, if you saw like how many books I have by my bed, I have 12 books by my bed. Am I reading all those books? No, but I pick up every night a book and I read a chapter or I read whatever. And I'm constantly wanting to consume stuff to the point where it's exhausting. And I'm pushing my stress pathways when I'm doing that because I keep telling myself it's never enough, it's never enough, it's never enough. I need to learn more. I need to do more. And I think that this type of lifestyle that we have, which I didn't feel like this when I was 20. I didn't feel like this when I was 30. And I was like going into medical school. The, the, the amount of technology and information now that we have at our hands, the amount of being on the cell phones, 
it's causing us stress and we have tons of perceived stress and I see it in my patients. It's an addiction and, and we won't get into addictions, but addiction, this is an addiction, technology, information, knowing is an addiction. So that's why I do love the outdoor community. And I love that you guys have hobbies and you can get out and you can get away from these things because most of the population that is just unheard of today. And it's really vitally important and we're losing that. So when it comes to adrenals and cortisol, managing the amount of distraction that you are putting into your life is, is really important, actually. And I feel like I'm seeing so much adrenal dysfunction due to this, this chronic stress. And this is just more of what chronic stress does to the adrenals. So it lowers communication between the brain and the hormonal glands. Okay, so again, that's a problem. Chronic cortisol secretion weakens the GI tract, lending to dysbiosis and inflammation, infection, and it weakens the thyroid. Um, and when your cortisol is too low, now you've been stressed for years and now your cortisol is too low, you can't manage a stress response. You actually need cortisol to convert T4 to T3, which we're going to talk about in a minute. You don't got enough cortisol around because you've been stressed out for so many years. Uh, you're going to have a thyroid issue as well. And stressed out adrenals decrease progesterone in women. They lower testosterone in men. And you need progesterone for both good sex hormone function in both sexes. Um, and then it weakens the liver's ability to de detoxify estrogens. So again, back to the liver, too much cortisol, you can't detoxify estrogen. Um, and decreases thyroid hormone ability to get into the cell. You need thyroid hormones to get into the cell. You got too much cortisol around. It's like a buffer. It says, nope, you're not getting in here. And again, it causes thyroid dysfunction. And then obviously chronic inflammation and um, infections that you have that you haven't solved, uh, they will increase cortisol. So this creates an ongoing immune stimulation problem. Um, and that includes food intolerances, food allergies, gut problems, like environmental toxins, all these things. All right, so here's just a beautiful list of all the things of an out-of-whack adrenal. Some of these are related to, um, what are you doing? I'm doing my podcast. No, I can't. Take my purse. I'm sorry, always something. Um, just take the whole bag. Just take it out. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so this is a long list of all the things that can happen. And some of them are from your adrenals being poor. Some of these are from your like low uh, cortisol. Some of these are from high cortisol. So you can see a lot of people suffer with things like this. Can't get out of bed in the morning, weakened immune systems. They get headaches. Any type of stress, they get a headache. Um, they are eating all the time, trying to relieve their fatigue, can't fall asleep, dizziness. Again, back to the vascular issues here with hemorrhoids and varicose veins, craving sweets and caffeine and cigarettes and nicotine and substances, usually just kind of to keep feeding that cortisol. Um, another one I see in men sometimes is blurred vision. They don't think about that one either. And then unstable behavior. <laughs> And then this is just about DHEA. Uh, DHEA is called the youth hormone. It's, um, it's increased from 20 to 30. And then after that, it decreases steadily. Um, and it's associated with higher risk of 
decreased immunity, cardiovascular disease, and stroke, which is really interesting because that kills more people in the United States than any other disorders, and unstable blood sugar levels, which is number two, I would say diabetes, a cancer, and then diabetes, probably number three. But diabetes is going to be probably in the top, and actually a lot of people that are dying from cardiovascular disease, they have diabetes, and they have mismanaged blood sugars. So you want to know your levels of DHEA. It's really important. Um, and it could also signal that you're having a pituitary or adrenal issue. All right, so let's just touch on thyroid. I think the guys also think that thyroid was not their problem, and they, they don't associate their problems to thyroid. But what I found is that actually a lot of guys do have thyroid uh, issues. Their thyroid is slowing down. And as they age, I think that it has to do with, again, going back to the cortisol, this uncontrolled cortisol secretion, and then also uh, the demands put on themselves, and also statin drugs, um, poor sleep, all the things, uh, you know, not having a good diet, not getting adequate cholesterol. Uh, it's decreasing those precursors to their sex hormones. Also, the thyroid comes from an amino acid called tyrosine. So if you're not getting good amino acids, you don't have the precursor either for thyroid. Um, so again, the brain talks to the thyroid via the pituitary gland. You then make TSH, which then tells the thyroid to make T4, which is then converted to T3. And then the reverse T3 tells the brain, we got enough thyroid hormones, stop making TSH. And that's how the cycle's working constantly, like all the time to keep your thyroid. Thyroid is mainly your metabolic organ. It's creating metabolism in you. It's keeping your weight down, your brain functioning, your hair on your head. Um, it's and managing your cortisol. It's doing um, a lot of those things. So when people's thyroids start to slow down, we start to see these symptoms. And you can see how all these symptoms so many of these with adrenal and low testosterone, they're just like all in bed together. And um, one of the big, I think, cardinal signs for low thyroid is when a guy has always been warm and then he starts commenting that his hands are cold, which is new for him. He's never had cold hands or feet. He feels cold outside where he's never felt cold before. You want to start, you want to test his thyroid. Constipation is another one. So men typically are not as constipated as women. I think part of that is the female hormonal cycle, estrogen and progesterone and that, the rhythm that they have, they have a lot more constipation. But men typically don't have as much constipation. And when a guy starts complaining, he's having constipation, he's also fatigued. So you could think, oh, it's testosterone. He's got low testosterone. Well, if he's like, I'm, I'm cold, I'm constipated, and I'm getting like muscle cramps, just like sitting at my desk, like my muscles will start cramping. And I just feel like my hair is falling out in clumps. It's not just low testosterone. You've got to check the doctor. Um, another one is losing your eyebrow on the outside right here. So if you notice thinning there. And then um, slow wound healing is another one. And then just wanting to sleep all the time. Um, and digestive problems. So you can see it's all correlated, but you got to test the thyroid, really important. And in guys, you guys have to, if your thyroid is low, it's what calls reproductive problems. So I see there's people, you guys are in your thirties, the ones that were here um, at the beginning. So if you're trying to get pregnant, you're trying to get your partner pregnant, you have to have adequate thyroid hormone 
or you're, it's not going to happen because you won't be able to make sperm. And for women, they, they won't be able to ovulate appropriately. So thyroid is vital for fertility. All right, let's talk about insulin. Uh, again, sex hormones, everyone wants to talk about the sexy sex hormones and maybe cortisol. We hear tons about cortisol and thyroid maybe, but insulin is really in our society now and in men um, and women, it's a huge driver of disease. Insulin dysregulation is a huge driver of this diabetic epidemic that we have going on in the Western world. Um, insulin, basically what insulin does, it's a very simple process. This is a picture of it. When you eat food, you get elevated blood sugar. And when that blood sugar goes up, the pancreas goes, whoa, there's blood sugar. I need to start taking that sugar out of the blood and bringing it into the cell to make ATP or energy, okay? And so the pancreas secretes insulin. That insulin then acts like a guard at the gate with a special key and it goes to the cell, it puts the key in, turns the lock, opens the door, in comes blood sugar. And then when there's enough blood sugar and energy production, insulin shuts the door and pulls the key out. Okay, and this is happening all the time, every time you eat. Now, let's say the pancreas also does what's called glucagon. So let's say you need to run from the bear right now. You didn't have any food recently. You need blood sugar mobilized now. That is going to stimulate glucagon to go to the liver to take stored um, glycogen, which is the sugar in the liver, and it's going to break it down into glucose in the liver. It's going to shoot it into your bloodstream. Okay. It will also do this in the muscle tissue if it needs to. But this is how, and this is also how people that are fasting, doing intermittent fasting, they're getting some of this glucagon and then you're pulling sugar from the liver. And then at some point you only have so much store in the liver, you're going to be like, you know, um, you're going to be blood sugar deficient. And so, but this is going on all the time. So you get low blood sugar, insulin gets triggered, you pull blood sugar in, you're satiated, insulin goes away. The problem that we have now is that because we have just one overconsumption of food, we have um, lots of poor gut health and mismanagement. We have tons of stress. Remember, cortisol mobilizes sugar from the tissues to come into the blood. So with lots of stress, you're getting mobilization of a lot of sugar. And so if you don't need that sugar because you're not out running from the bear, you're not out running a 10K every day. You're sitting at your desk, stressing out, looking at your social media and stressing out. You're still pulling blood sugar. So then what does the body have to do? It has to store it. And then eventually insulin is like secreting, 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 opening the gate, opening the gate. And then just eventually it realizes you're not really using this energy for anything. And insulin just sort of goes, no, I'm not going to open the gate. But what actually happens is insulin metabolism, the key, this insulin here, you've got normal insulin glucose. You can see there's this very unique shape to the key that fits into the cell. When you start getting insulin resistant, that key does not fit into the cell anymore. And that's called insulin resistance. And when that happens, now you got lots of glucose outside the cell 
glycosylating your red blood cells and destroying your small arterioles and your nerves and all this stuff that we see in diabetes, right? Eyes, liver, eyes, kidneys, um, feet, these kinds of things. So the other interesting thing is that insulin dictates to testosterone. It says to testosterone, this is where you need to put your weight. And in men, it's in the upper body. So you need insulin to sort of dictate to the sex hormone where weight's going to be. And in men, it's typically the upper body. And in women, it's the hips and the legs. And so as we age, you will see women starting to gain weight in the middle. And that's because um, insulin is probably more dysregulated because of high cortisol secretion and lower estrogen. Estrogen in women says, back up. We got this taken care of. Well, when you start losing estrogen, you don't have as much stress resilience. And cortisol is still doing its thing. So you got to manage stress or this could lead you to insulin resistance and gaining weight. And in men, we see it where they have maybe more cellulite and they start gaining, they get like the baby on the front. They're carrying a baby in the front. And I mean, I can pretty much see any guy walking down the street and just know that his insulin is telling his testosterone either like it, his testosterone is low. So he's not getting good like muscle metabolism. He's not able to keep that lean muscle on. And then he's building insulin resistance because he doesn't have the appropriate signal going to the sex hormone to lay down muscle. Okay, so insulin resistance is a huge problem and you should always have men, we're gonna talk about that, insulin should always be tested. All right, let's talk about cardiovascular. I know I'm going along here, I'm gonna to try to get through this real quick. Nitric oxide is super important. And this is a list of what it does. It vasodilates blood vessels. It um, plays a critical role in neurotransmission, neurotransmission, vascular tone, platelet aggregation, immune, penile erections, and all kinds of endocrine and exocrine functions. Um, and um, you also need it for healthy insulin function. So if you don't have enough nitric oxide, you're not gonna be able to stimulate uh, the beta cells. Um, uh, that's gonna, like, it's very important. Um, and it's a big one in men because erectile dysfunction is a very common side effect that men have. And a lot of times it's because they're not necessarily getting good nitric oxide in the vessel. Um, interesting, I did some research and one way, great way to get nitric oxide is to breathe through your nose. So when you breathe through your nose, you, you are getting, um, it's stimulating vessels within the nose that are then producing nitric oxide that goes into the entire body and produces vascular changes. So if you are, if you're a man who can't breathe through your nose, maybe you did uh, boxing or football or UFC and you've broken your nose a bunch of times, you can't breathe through it, you may actually be having vascular problems because you can't produce enough nitric oxide. I also think that this is one of the reasons just historically, a lot of the like Wim Hof method, yogic breathing, all these things, they talk about the breath. The breath is so important and typically they're talking about breathing through the nose very rare that they're talking about mouth breathing. So um, also mouth breathing by itself disrupts your microbiome because your microbiome starts in your mouth. So if you're having disrupted, like if you're just breathing through your mouth all the time, then you are actually, you can actually be disrupting the microbiome as well. So we can see problems in the GI tract. 
And these are all the things that nitric oxide does in the body. So it helps your memory, it helps your brain, assists the immune system, it fights off infections, regulates your blood pressure to dilate your arteries, reduces inflammation, improves sleep, and improves smell. So it's very important for smell and increases your endurance strength and gastric motility. So, you know, a lot of the pre-workouts that men will take do have nitric oxide in them or nitric oxide, like lots of L-arginine, which is you get it from. And so that may be, guys like to take that because they feel the pump. When you feel the pump, the pump is from that nitric oxide. And this is just a picture of arginine citrulline and how it's changing the structure of the blood vessel. And it's helping that. Um, this is why they use nitric oxide for angina, people that have a cardiac angina. You can take a nitric oxide pill and then a second, your, your heart will um, stop having that contraction. All right, and then this just tells you how it produces it. Um, this is a problem too. Like if you've got a lot of atherosclerosis in your body, in your arterial system, um, this can basically reduce your capacity to produce nitric oxide. So this is where that angina will come from. And I'm not gonna talk about it today. We could do a whole other webinar on vessel health, but the vessels have their own microbiome. It's called the glycocalyx and they protect the vessel. And over our lifetime, we destroy it. So there's strategies now to help your glycocalyx so you don't get atherosclerosis. All right, and then erections, a big issue with men. Um, and uh, Viagra or any of the nitric oxide stimulators, these are potent medications because they work in that nitric oxide pathway. Um, and it influences enzymes and then it does this cascade of reactions, brings more blood flow to the area and you get better erections. Um, and, you know, obviously for erections, you need a healthy nervous system function because it's to get an erection and to keep and maintain an erection you have to have proper autonomic nervous system functions. So you have to be able to have fight or flight and rest and digest. To have orgasm, same thing. So like sex is like your nervous system doing lots of different things at once. And if you have autonomic nervous system dysfunction, uh, it doesn't work. And I'm sure every single man ever that's lived on this planet has experienced an erectile issue with stress relationship strife, um, money, you know, like you're worrying about things, exhaustion, obviously alcohol will do it. Um, certain drugs will do it. And like I said earlier, drugs that will decrease um, testosterone. Um, there's also drugs that will make it hard for you to get an erection. Beta blockers are a great example of that. Beta blockers are usually given to people that have like arrhythmias or AFib. And unfortunately, one of the side effects of beta blockers is inability to get an erection, which really can disturb a guy's life. I mean, I get guys coming in and they want to get hormones and, and they want testosterone because they think they'll get their erections back and their testosterone's fine. They just are on a beta blocker. And so they need to have that conversation with their cardiologist. And unfortunately, cardiologists don't really care that you're not getting an erection. They care more that you're not going to have a heart attack. So this, unfortunately, these are difficult conversations to have, but very important stuff. And obviously testosterone plays into this as well, but nervous system, also estrogen, we talked about too much estrogen, not good, too little estrogen, not good. So 
they're both playing in two directions. And then this is just the picture again. All right, so here's some testing. And we'll just, this is obvious. If you go to the doctor, they will never run any of these tests. If you go to your conventional doctor and you're a male in your 30s, it's going to be very difficult to get them to run your testosterone, your estrogen, your sex hormone binding globulin, FSH, LH. Why? I have no idea. It's an insurance thing. It's expensive. The insurance doesn't want to pay for it. So the doctor who's under insurance contract does not want to prescribe it. Now in our clinic, I run these on every single guy, um, whether he's 25 or he's 55. And that's because obviously nobody goes to the doctor if they feel great. So I'm seeing guys that are having symptoms and these symptoms, I need to know what their hormone levels are and also how they're converting. So maybe they have enough testosterone, but they're over aromatizing to estrogen. That could be a thing. Um, obviously, you want to run a CBC to look at your blood uh, cells. A comprehensive metabolic panel will look at fasting, glucose, liver enzymes, kidney function, blood proteins, calcium. Important. Um, in men that you're considering maybe giving hormone replacement to, you do need to run this genetic factor called the factor lady two and factor five, because these increase clotting and uh, testosterone can increase blood thickness from the bone marrow. Um, you want to run a cholesterol panel, a full cholesterol panel, preferably these days with an APOB. I don't have that here, but you want to run APOB. That's the most inflammatory. And then we'll talk about uh, genetics here in a minute. Hemoglobin A1C and fasting insulin, I run that on every single guy that comes in, even if he looks great and is in great shape and isn't overweight, I run this because sometimes I'm shocked. Um, maybe a guy is actually not feeling well because he's having dysglycemia, not having regulated blood sugar, so you need to run it. Pregnenolone, you can run in men. I don't run it in all men. If I do a Dutch test, I will see that in these men, but I, I always run it in a man who's having anxiety. So he's coming in and he's having anxiety. Um, pregnant alone can be low. And then prolactin is a hormone that is secreted after a baby's born. It's the protection hormone. Um, it helps, it, it turns, it's like the hormone that turns you from a boy or a, you know, and you have your first baby into a man, into a father. Prolactin goes up, reproductive hormones go down. This is natural for a period of months after a baby's born because you go from now being a reproductive sex to like, oh my gosh, I have a child and I need to make sure the car seat's good and I need to make the house is like baby proof. That's prolactin. So, um, and it helps you bond and that kind of stuff. So I do run that on men because there can be tumors of the pituitary that will secrete high levels of prolactin and that will compete with your testosterone. So sometimes your testosterone is fine, but your prolactin is too high. The other reason prolactin is high, stress. Um, homocysteine, this is an inflammatory marker. I will run that in men. <clears throat> we won't go into that right now. But again, that's a whole other uh, webinar, but I run that. And then I run a full thyroid panel. I didn't put them all here. T3, T4, I'll fix this. I'll clean this up for everybody uh, before I send it to you. Uh, TSH, and then I do run uh, antibodies on everybody. It's very rare to find it in men, but some men do have Hashimoto's antibodies. So I run that. And another test to do in men over 40, you run a PSA. Our panels for any age man is going to have a PSA on it. That's a prostate specific. It's great because you can look at it in the blood and you can see whether or not the prostate's inflamed. You always have to do a PSA when you're thinking about doing hormone replacement with a man. You don't want to give him a bunch of hormone if he's got an inflamed prostate. 
Um, and then prostate cancer screening, that would be through PSA to start. And then if we can suck positive, there's other things to do there. And then we can test growth hormone levels in some men if they want with IGF-1. Growth hormone is actually a hard hormone to prescribe legally as a physician. I'm only supposed to prescribe it if you have an actual pituitary disorder where you're not making enough growth hormone. But today you can get peptides and et cetera to improve growth hormone. So I have prescribed those, the Morlin, Morlin, those kinds of things. Um, but they are not growth hormone. So growth hormone itself is actually hard to get legally. A lot of people get it on the black market. But I always say uh, use caution getting testosterone, peptides, and growth hormone off the internet unless you trust who you're getting it from. All right, so just touching on genetics. I put this in here for you guys. You guys can read this. I highly recommend a book called The DNA Way. And if you want to get your genetics tested, I think it's really important to help you understand who you are at a gene level. Um, genetics are like your blueprint. It's like when you build a house, you have an architect design the blueprint. This is your blueprint. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're expressing every single gene that you have, but there's a group of genes, a very large group of genes that they know that people easily express and or there's things that turn these genes on and off. And so I think it's really important because there's a lot of hormone issues that can happen when your genetics are off. So genetically, there's guys that just turn testosterone into estrogen more. There's guys that are going to gain weight in their middle more. There's guys that are going to be muscly and cut their whole life, no matter how much testosterone they have. There's guys that are going to be more androgenic. They're going to go down DHT pathways. They're going to lose their hair on their head. You know, they're going to have more cystic acne. So you can actually test your genes and see what is your propensity. And then you can create a lifestyle around that to help support your own genetic code and making sure you're not taking things that are opposing your genetics and could be actually turning on things you don't want to turn on. So this is a list of just things that it's amazing what they can test for now. Um, and these are some of the genes that look at certain things, the clock gene for controlling your circadian rhythm, the BDNF um, hormone in the brain. Uh, so people that have low BDNF or BDNF genes, they have insomnia, COMP-T influences that metabolism of dopamine to adrenaline. If it's slow, you're a more stressed out person. If it's fast, you're less stressed out. But there's also things that can help support COMP-T or speed COMP-T up if you need it. And then there's these other ones here for serotonin and noradrenaline. Uh, again, like target panic, that's always a question I get. Like, why do some guys get target panic and some people don't? Uh, like my husband doesn't even know what target panic is. Doesn't know what it is, but he's seen buddies have it and he's seen it more than often, but he's never experienced it. Um, unless, except one time when like a bear was trying to get the elk he had just shot and he had to spray the bear in the face. And he was shaking a little bit, but most people would freak out and run, right? Like he has a pretty fast comp tea. So he, it's stressed to him. He doesn't keep his noradrenaline around long enough to get that target panic. The people that have this genetic propendrance, they pull that thing back, they see that animal and just, uh, they can't process all that noradrenaline fast enough. They start shaking, right? That's one side effect. So tons of these genes and where you're at. And here's some other genes. Statins. So there's genes that are not friendly for statins. So I would say if your doctor tells you you need to get on statins, you should probably get your genetics tested first and make sure because 
if it's not good, you could have all the side effects. Um, and statins can cause nutrient deficiencies and testosterone and estrogen issues if you have some of these genes, these SNPs in your genes. And then nitric oxide, NOS3. This GG variant creates optimal nitric oxide in vessels. If you have a different variant, you might not actually genetically make enough nitric oxide. So you're one of the people that needs to supplement. You need more arginine. You need more than this other person. He may not need that and he still gets the benefit. This is a really important gene. I'm not going to go into it, but I do have a reference here at the bottom of this slide of a, a research article that I wrote on APOE4, which is a protein combined with a fat and it's responsible for packaging up cholesterol. It's one of the, the lipoproteins that carries cholesterol around your body. And the APOE4, they call it the Alzheimer's gene. It's just, you have a higher chance of having more late stage Alzheimer's disease if you have one or two of these, but it actually can impact your cholesterol as well because it helps you, um, it can increase absorption of cholesterol from the liver and does a number of different things. So when you find out your genes, you will find this out. I have one allele of this. I have a lot of Alzheimer's disease in my family. So to me, I think knowledge is power and I do the things that I need to do to support this APOE4. Some of them suck, like APOE4s shouldn't drink alcohol. You can't detoxify it fast enough from your brain. Um, APOE4s should not eat tons of animal products and super high fat diets. Well, what does our community eat? <laughs> Right. So this can sometimes people don't want to know, but you don't want to know. That means you don't really want to know how you can help yourself. And there's weight. Now, I mean, there's so much information now on how to support these alleles that you may have. But the most common is the APOE33. You get one from mom and for dad. Um, but there's different variants. So this is the APOE4 for cholesterol. All right. Let's talk about a few treatments. This is a list of all the things that. Hopefully you're already doing a lot of these, but these are the most important, okay? These are the things that I think are the most important. Um, you know, taking a bunch of medications, even doing hormone replacement therapy, like, yeah, that's an option. But if you don't have your lifestyle in control, the hormones are going to do nothing for you. If you don't have your diet under control, testosterone just doesn't suddenly make you Superman. Um, you know, you have to be bettering your life. It's kind of like Batman. Batman by the time he was 18, could like speak 15 languages or whatever. And he could do all these things. He was like, but he trained himself. He trained himself to do those. He was, he was doing the lifestyle things to improve himself. And with that, then he was able to kind of conquer all these other things. And so you can't just take the drugs and the supplements and not and expect all these things to happen. So the, this list is vital for getting your hormones in line. This includes adrenal and thyroid, and et cetera. So nature, you guys have that down if you're hunters, but more, more time in nature. Remove excess toxin. Again, that's an entire podcast on its own. Um, remove food allergens and intolerances back to the gut. Uh, balance your blood sugars. Make sure you don't have sleep apnea. This is a differential when guys come in and they're not feeling well, they have relief. They have really bad fatigue, especially they wake up exhausted like they got hit by a train. And then in the afternoon, they're dysfunctional. They're so tired. They're sleeping in their truck at work um, at lunch. Um, they have to be in bed by eight o'clock. 
and they snore all night and they're apneic and their wife says they're going to die at night. You, if you give that man hormone, you're asking for a problem because he's going to do massive amount of aromatase action to estrogen because he's not being oxygenated. So I always, and any guy that answers the questionnaire that I give them, and I always have a sleep study. I recommend it and or I enforce it if they need hormone therapy and I think that they need to do it. Obviously losing weight, doing all these things is going to help support you, get your insulin resistance under control, um, lose the baby, very important. But any, men of any age can have this, young men have this as well. And it's also a big differential in women. So it's not just men, but the hormones will kind of not be great if you have sleep apnea. You have to work that out. Back to distractions, you know, cell phone and computer. The funny thing is I'm doing the six month fortitude challenge. And this is the week that we are supposed to be off of our cell phones by six o'clock. So no technology after six o'clock. And what did I do? I scheduled webinars during this week. So I did not fulfill my challenges this week from it, but uh, this can be, this is almost impossible. I did a survey on social media. I asked people, how are they going? Pretty much everybody said impossible, impossible to get away from my cell phone and my media. Um, I have completely avoid, now caffeine's not bad for everybody, but if you've got adrenal issues, you've got to, you've got hormone dysfunction, you've got blood sugar dysregulation and insulin resistance going on. Caffeine is not your friend. So, and sugar is not your friend. Obviously nicotine and alcohol are never anybody's friends, um, unless you're using a little bit of nicotine for like nootropic or whatever, but these typically are not super healthy. And then artificial sweeteners. So we have an epidemic of artificial sweeteners, sucralose being probably the biggest one. And uh, it's destroying our microbiome and it's causing hormone dysfunction and that's starting to come out. So be very, look at the products you're taking and make sure there's not tons of sucralose and uh, artificial sweeteners. Avoid over-exercising if your adrenals are trash, especially if your testosterone is low. Like you need to exercise to get more testosterone, but if you're so worn out, like over-exercising is just making it worse. So you need to see a physician. You need to get help for that. You don't need to just keep doing more. That does not fix the problem. Um, regenerative stuff, meditation, breath work, vacation, sleep, sex. I don't know, remove toxic people from your life. Um, I've had to do a lot of that in the last few years and it's been very difficult and I'm still doing that, you know? Um, get some counseling. Men are like very like not wanting to get counseling because they have all these preconceived notions. You know, my husband's like, I, I can just go out hunting and fix everything. But there's a lot of other people around you too. You know, you're not the only person in the world and you're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. And sometimes we have traumas and issues from whatever it may be. Maybe you had a perfect childhood, but you had a really bad relationship in the past that scarred you. Um, maybe you had a trauma, an injury, maybe you're in the military, you had a TBI, you've, um, you know, I don't know, Tana, like Tana, you know, almost been killed by a brown bear or whatever, <laughs> like, these are traumas that can build up in us, and sometimes, you know, our life doesn't allow us to have a moment to, again, relax, we're always distracting ourselves, and sometimes just talking it out, it's actually helpful, and I find that in my practice, I mean, some of the, my, my favorite patients are the men they've come in and they sit there for five minutes looking at me like, don't expect me to say anything. And then within an hour, they're just telling me everything. And it's because you need to talk. You need to talk it out. I mean, 
it's okay. And that's what I'm there for. And that's what counselors are there for as well. So um, I, I would advise if you can, where you live, you know, finding a healthcare practitioner that can support you. And it's really important. All right. So testosterone replacement. Um, here's the different things you can do for testosterone. Bioidentical, injections, testosterone gel, cream, you can do pellets, and you can do orals, trochies. Um, testosterone thipionate is the most commonly injected. It's the one I most commonly prescribe for my men. Uh, and it's it depends on the guy and his testing and what he comes back as is if we're going to do that. So here's the deal is that I don't prescribe testosterone unless it's absolutely necessary in a man usually that has one has not had any children and a man that's under 35 years old. And the reason for that is that the endocrine system is still really in the 20s is still doing a lot. So if you're doing, you know, I get these guys coming in that have been doing anabolic steroids, they've been buying testosterone offline, they've been doing cycles of estrogen blockers and blah, 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 and they've really screwed their endocrine systems up. So um, your fertility will be compromised. Uh, testosterone replacement therapy compromises fertility. Now, yes, there's plenty of guys on testosterone get their wife pregnant. It only takes one sperm, but we want to watch for that. So in my practice, no, I am not willingly just giving TRT to everybody like these men's clinics. It's no practice half the time. But um, in older men, over 35, 40, and I say over 35 because some men over 35, we try everything else and just nothing works because they're getting there or they're actually having testicular hypogonadism, which is the diagnosis. So we can work with that. We can also use HCG and Clomid. Um, and then we watch for symptoms. We do regular blood things. We're testing for estrogen. We're keeping on top of this. But injections are a great way to go. Um, and these are other prescriptions. Clomiphene is a pill you can take orally. Um, and then anastrozole is an estrogen blocker. I really try not to give anastrozole if I don't have to. It's not good for your bones. You never want a guy to be undetectable estrogen. He's going to feel horrible. And I will have guys again say, oh, I feel really good on my testosterone. And you know, we looked at their estrogen and maybe they're having water retention irritability and we put them on an AI and they're like, okay, I'm back to not feeling like myself again. So it just depends. And again, having your genetics looked at, you may be the guy that needs the AI, anastrozole or these aromatase inhibitors. You need that. And so you're going to be okay on that. But the guy that maybe doesn't genetically have that preponderance and he's just got a little elevated estrogen he needs more broccoli in his diet, dim, I3C. Um, he needs to be um, avoiding alcohol, decreasing inflammation, and he needs to be, his insulin resistance just gets better. Probably doesn't need an AI. But those are the things that drive estrogen. Um, and clomiphene keeps your fertility. I didn't put HCG on here, but that's another one. That keeps your fertility and helps you make your own testosterone. So if I have to, and natural therapies don't work, I use this with my younger men. Uh, these are side effects of too much testosterone replacement therapy. And so obviously uh, irritability, increased libido. Most guys are like, whoa, that's a horrible side effect. But there is such a thing as too much libido. Like you can't ever get satisfied. And it's kind of overwhelms guys' life. So it's too much testosterone if you're like, it's overwhelming your life. Um, and obviously decrease sperm count and your testes will shrink. So, um, and then it can make your blood thicker. So 
stuff for that. And then other considerations for our reptile support, we want to consider giving dietary nitrates. Um, beets are actually very helpful at producing nitric oxide. So they're a great food for that. You can give amino acids like L-arginine. Um, and exercise is the number one way to improve nitric oxide. So if a patient is not exercising, then I kind of got him, I got to get him exercising. So exercise is helping you in a million ways, but it is actually can improve your health dysfunction. The other thing is, is um, watch the uh, mouthwashes. They kill the microbiome in your mouth. That's why they were great during COVID because they do kill viruses and stuff. But like if you're doing them every day, they destroy your microbiome and your beneficial bacteria. And then they also affect the, the bacteria in your vascular system, which then is going to compromise your nitric oxide function. So something to think about there. All right. So natural things to help with testosterone, uh, creatine. Creatine actually helps with a number of different things. And we used to have the rumor that creatine was really bad for you, but we know now it's not. And um, it's affordable thing to use. You can use it in pre-workouts and it has, um, it helps with that increased conversion of testosterone to DHT in some studies. So guys that need more DHT for libido and sexual function, it can help with that. Um, and you can combine it with other things to help support, like it's great in pre-workouts, et cetera. Um, and it does not affect the kidneys. So there was this rumor that it affects the kidney, uh, affects kidneys probably because, you know, there's always that one person who takes 10 times their body weight in something, and then yes, it affects your kidney, but they found now that it does not affect the kidney, and um, you need to stay hydrated, because it does dehydrate you, um, and it's good, safe for type 2 diabetics. All right, so here's some supplements that are great for testosterone and other um, hormones. Zinc is really important. Um, What's interesting is that we use up zinc readily. It's a mineral we are all very, can be very deficient in. Um, and interestingly enough, when you ejaculate, you lose quite a bit of zinc. So um, if you're ejaculating a lot, you want to be replenishing zinc. Um, and also you get it, these are different forms of it, acid salts and the other amino acids. You want to watch your zinc copper balance. So I actually never put somebody on just zinc. I put them on a trace mineral where they're getting both copper and zinc at a good ratio. If you take too much zinc, you'll probably get diarrhea and then you will get copper imbalance and you'll get side effects from that. Uh, but they have the dosing here, 30 to 50 mg per day. And then you can dose that one to two times per week. Again, this is, you don't want to be overdosing. Um, it does improve semen quality, so sperm, it helps with fertility and the quality of the sperm, and it's important for DHT, so it's important for making that certain androgen. Um, HMB, this is methylbutyrate, and it works in the mTOR pathway in the muscle, and so it helps to build muscle, and you can combine it with the creatine. It's going to help you with better training recovery and lean muscle mass gain, so it can help with that. All right, some herbs that can help with testosterone, tribulus. Uh, tribulus, you've probably heard of, and a lot of guys try it, especially younger guys will, will go on these testosterone supplements. And I do prescribe these to both all men of all ages. I think it's very supportive. Um, and you can read here about how it helps. So three divided doses of 250 milligrams a day. 
if you just take 750 milligrams at once, uh, you, you do need divided doses because of the body load. Um, and then horny goat weed is another one, and it's possibly a testosterone mimetic, and um, this can be a good one for erection, helping with that. Um, Tongat Ali or Long Jack, uh, this is Malaysian ginseng, it's an adaptogen. Anything that's an adaptogen, it's gonna help support all of the steroid hormone pathways. So it's gonna help your adrenal hormones, it's gonna help your sex hormones, etc. Um, and you can see all the different things in it, it's about 200 milligrams a day. Um, and you wanna take two, yeah, I have here 100 milligram capsules, but I'm sure now you can find a 200 milligram one. Um, let's see. So late onset of hypogonadism. These are patients that are older and they are having low testosterone from the testing. They did show some improvement with their testosterone concentration um, and management of the brain uh, testing conversation that's going. Uh, uh, these are things to avoid if you've got low testosterone, you're trying to improve testosterone. Uh, soy, obviously, it's very estrogenic. Red clover is estrogenic. Milk thistle, to a point, you can use some milk thistle for liver, but you don't want to overdo milk thistle. Um, and then Vitex, which is mainly for women, and progesterone, and then hops, which is in beer. This is why. Uh, beer can actually be something that makes you convert to estrogen more. So you want to watch hops. Which funny is men love beer. And then exercise is obvious. Weight training, arm and leg strengthening, um, high intensity workouts. Just some strategies to help you here. Um, best times usually for men to train from six to eight in the morning. Usually weight training is best done in the AM because of the testosterone. And then cardio is best done in the afternoon between four and six or the evening. So those are great times to work out. Get rid of the toxic, toxic stuff in your environment. Now it's impossible for us to get away from plastics. It's pervasive. It's probably totally impossible for us to get away from all the glues. And men are so subjected to toxins because they're in professions. Like, you know, women do like, they're like hair hairdressers and they're exposed to solvents and makeup you know women are putting stuff on their body men are going to jobs like construction workers the guys that work on the road um, gasoline derivatives diesel fumes um, glue solvents carpets paint so it's really important that you protect yourself from those because they are completely screwing up our hormones they're screwing up the detoxification pathways in the liver they're messing up the microbiome and I think this is probably going to be, besides stress, the biggest reason that we see so much hormone dysfunction because our food supply is poisoned, our water supply is poisoned um, with drugs and these plasticizer type things. So that includes phthalates, styrofoams, uh, plastics, um, and then watch your everything you put on your body or you um, and then in the kitchen, again, don't heat up with plastic. I hope everybody knows this by now. Try to drink out of stainless steel water bottles. Try to take your coffee cup. Like, I mean, we talk about the planet and all this stuff. I mean, the amount of garbage that we produce is insane. I heard today just from shampoo bottles could fill up like 
hundred football stadiums or something per year of shampoo bottles getting thrown away. So, you know, it's alarming the rate of pollution we have going on. So just try your best to do those things as you can. And then avoid nonstick cookware if you can using cast iron. Men need to be a little bit careful. Cast iron does secrete iron. So uh, just making sure that you're not getting too much iron as men don't bleed and they don't get rid, uh, rid of it. All right, so these are some resources for you. If you need to find a physician in your area, these are two good websites. One is naturopathic.org. You can put your uh, zip code in and find somebody in your area. And then IFM, Institute of Functional Medicine. This is also a great um, resource if you want to find a doctor that's maybe going to look at these things more. Um, this is also a link to the DNA company that I use. If you get a break, if you use my code here, but this is what I refer to my patients, and they give an amazing, uh, they give an amazing report and so much useful information. Um, I love that. Um, and then I'm just going to finish my talk with this quote by Pat Riley, who was an NBA coach, all you know, um, Hall of Fame and Yale Hall of Fame. Uh, you must be the, an active participant in your own rescue. And I love this because nobody's coming to save us and we have to do it ourselves. And your health is your responsibility. Um, I'm a facilitator. I help people to know how their body's working, what it's doing, and help to facilitate them to make the better changes. But you really have to be an active participant in this. And so if you are having health challenges, and you don't know why, and you can't figure it out. There are people out there that can help you. Sometimes it's hard to find them. But in today's world, it's miraculous all of these like resources we have to, to help ourselves. But especially for men, I think men need to reach out more and um, to take care of their health more because they're so vital for the family unit. They're so vital for society. Uh, there's so many things women cannot do and don't want to do. And men are truly vital for that. So taking care of your long-term health is very important. And the last thing I will say is um, try to have good, happy relationships around you. Um, men tend to stay in unhappy relationships because men do better with a partner. And what I like to say is that um, it's important the relationships that you're in and nurturing those. And uh, that will make a huge difference as well in your hormone hormone function so um, all right that's all that i have for this I'm gonna...